My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth, and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death, and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good, and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. The word of the Lord. Let's pray together as we stand. Almighty Father, uh, as we come to your word, um, we, uh, we ask that you would uh, sharpen a mind, grant us to, to, to understand, to think uh, clearly, critically, uh, don't let us be gullible, don't allow us to believe stupid things, but grant us only to receive what is true. So give us the capacity to tell the difference. Um, but also, will you uh, simply give the realities that we're going to describe? We don't want to just be good at describing things about you. We want to actually receive the reality that we are going to describe. So uh, whatever it takes to get that done, uh, please do it. We know that it, it takes a lot more than, than what we can bring to the table to get that done. So um, we ask you to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Friends, please sit down. And um, it would be helpful if you would turn back to pages uh, 8 and 9. We're uh, going to look at that reading from Proverbs. Uh, we're continuing our series in Proverbs. And uh, each week we're, we're saying that um, one of the reasons that, uh, one of the things that the Proverbs are designed to do is that Proverbs are designed to, as we've been saying, help us grow up before we grow old. And uh, in our reading today, uh, we find out that uh, wisdom is really, really important in part because wisdom protects us. Wisdom uh, uh, is a shield that defends us. It's almost like wisdom is a kind of security detail that surrounds us from some of the most danger, uh, greatest dangers in life. Um, and here's the surprising thing. 
or at least I find it kind of surprising. Um, do you know what it is in our passage that wisdom guards us against? Wisdom guards us, in our passage, not just from dangers outside us, but, very importantly, from dangers inside us and from ourselves. Wisdom protects us from us. Uh, uh, I, I enjoy travel. I like to, to travel around the world. When I was a kid, I yearned to go places. And, then, and, and, and when I first started um, traveling to different countries and stuff like that, um, I kind of assumed that most of the dangers were outside me. You know, keep your eyes open, don't get mugged, whatever. Um, however, the more I traveled, the more I realized um, that the, the, like, the really big danger was Jim. Um, because I did, I just would find myself doing stupid things. Uh, I, I'm, you know, you can ask me, I, I have lots of illustrations of this. One time I, uh, I, was, I was in a car with, with, with a family that was hosting uh, me, a, a, a man and his wife, uh, two kids, and, and I, was, I was being very bold with the language because I wanted to be culturally sensitive, but I didn't know the language. And it ends up I accidentally called the, the wife, this wonderful woman, a, a woman of the night in, <laughs> in the midst of the conversation. Um, it was a tonal language, and ends up, when you put the emphasis in the wrong place, something else happens. And, um, and, and her, husband, her husband was a very effective communicator uh, with me. I uh, was very effective in communicating what I had said and why I shouldn't say it again. Um, and somewhere in the middle of his very effective communication style, I, 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 just, I realized that Jim's greatest danger overseas is, is Jim. And, and um, anyways, um, I have more stories like that, but ask me at coffee hour. Uh, Proverbs wants to persuade us <laughs> of something similar, that that wisdom is a shield that shields us not just or even first and foremost from dangers outside us. It's a shield that protects us from ourselves, from something in us. All right. Wisdom is a shield. Three questions. Uh, first of all, what does it defend us from? Secondly, how does it defend us? And thirdly, how shall we pursue it? Uh, first of all, it's a shield. What does it defend us from? Now, uh, take a look at this reading. Just just kind of orientating you to this reading. The whole reading and the whole chapter is one unified poem. Uh, each line begins with a different uh, letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And there's three main sections. The first section says, seek wisdom. Pursue it. We'll talk about that in a minute. The second section says, God wants to give it. The third section, however illustrates the danger that wisdom is guarding us against. And that's where we're going to start. Um, there's two case studies that you'll notice here, there toward the end of the reading. Um, a group of men and a woman. Both of these groups, uh, both of these case studies, choose a path that leads to bad places. However, and this is important, both of these case studies are designed to be kind of mirrors for us. We look at these two case studies not because we want to say, oh, look at those terrible people that do those terrible things. Rather, with the more we look at these two case studies, we will see the dynamic that is operative within our own hearts. And, and the reason they're so helpful is that evil is always easier to see in somebody else than it is to see within our own hearts. But as you look at them, these case studies, you'll see something that's going on within us. Let me show you what I mean. Take a look at verse 11. 
Verse 11 says, discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from, here this is important, the way of evil. Now, I read that and I think, okay, um, writer of Proverbs, Solomon, help us know what that means. What, what is the way of evil? What's, what's the heart of the thing? Well, keep reading. Will deliver you from the way of evil, from men of perverse speech, okay, uh, who forsake the paths of uprightness, so that they used to be on the right path and they've left the right path, uh, to walk in the ways of darkness, and who, verse 14, very importantly, rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Now, keep your eyes there. Do you see, on the one hand, there's outward behaviors, uh, perverse speech, uh, uh, walking in the ways of, of darkness, uh, forsaking uprightness, all that kind of thing. But do you see verse 14? That's the key. The key is an inward dynamic that is motivating their outward behavior. And the inward dynamic is that they rejoice, verse 14, in doing evil. They delight in perverseness. That's the key. Okay, so what is the danger that is so terribly dangerous to me. It's not just behaving badly. It's not just naughty behavior and bad choices. The thing that's really dangerous, can you see, is a heart that prefers evil. Or, put differently, a heart that looks at something and instinctively says, that's good only to find out later and maybe too late that it's actually evil. Let me illustrate. Um, 1986, uh, uh, Ivan Boesky, may have heard of him, I don't know, a huge, hugely successful investor uh, in, in New York. Um, he gave a speech uh, at UC Berkeley Business School, I think it was the commencement speech, and, and he said this, quote, greed is all right, by the way, I want you to know that. I think greed is healthy. You can be greedy and still feel good about yourself. Don't you miss the 80s? <laughs> Even greed can be something that can encourage your self-esteem. Um, now, I, I, I understand that, that the crowd loved it. Uh, uh, Newsweek reported on his speech and said that everybody broke out in laughter and in applause when he said that. Now, who cares? Well, six months later, uh, this guy was convicted on, uh, for just huge financial crimes. And, one, uh, and he became one of the just massive uh, uh, crooks, so to speak, in the history of the city. Now, he illustrates Proverbs' point. Because this guy didn't wake up in the morning one day and say, you know what I want to do? I want to be a financial crook when I grow up. That's not the way it happens. What happened is his behavior grew out of something much deeper in his heart. His heart looked at something called greed, and his heart recognized it to be something good. And as he pursued this path, he genuinely thought he was doing something healthy. Now, can you see how, how big a danger that is? Because what it means is that I can honestly, sincerely pursue what I feel to be right and good and healthy 
only to find out, maybe too late, that it's actually wrong and bad and deadly. But then it gets worse. How does it get, get worse? Well, think about the audience. The audience that's listening to him, they laugh and they applaud. Now, maybe they thought he was, maybe they were laughing, some of them, because they thought he was crazy, but undoubtedly they, some of them were applauding because they thought he was right. And what happens in that moment is that they hear him say, greed is good, in so many words. And then their heart does exactly the same thing that his heart had previously done. Their heart has a tendency to say, he's right. Yes, that is good. I like what I hear, plus I get to feel good about myself, which is nice. Now, why is that so dangerous? It's dangerous because it means that that heart illness that makes us prefer evil over and against good is communicable. It can pass from one to the other. Probably because our hearts already kind of are wired to want to do that anyway. And it's extraordinarily uh, difficult because um, as the person who has this illness of heart won't think that they have it because part of having the illness is thinking that the path you're on is good. Can you see the danger? It's this ridiculous spiral. And the danger is not so much outside us, it's something that's in us. And that's part of the point of the second case study, which we're not going to go into a great deal because we'll, we'll deal with some of these issues in a few weeks. Uh, but verse 16, um, there's this uh, woman who's decided that her best path forward is to leave her marriage and, uh, and, and leave her marriage for another man. Now, lots of complexity there. However, focus on the warning in verse 19. The warning in verse 19 is, is saying, when you look at someone else, who has uh, chosen a, a path that leads to bad places, and then you consent to it, and you follow along with it, um, it is very difficult and sometimes impossible to self-correct. Why? Because the whole time, once your heart is inclining in that direction, the whole time I will be telling myself that I am on a good path. I'll be self-justifying, which will compound my decision. Uh, Ashley Knoll is a theologian who, and uh, he says this, he says, what the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. What the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. So that whatever it is we tend to love, that will drive our choices, and then we will inevitably have a good argument for why we're right to do it. And, of course, that means that the people who are in most danger are the people who are most confident that absolutely none of this applies to me. All right. That's the danger. Does it feel dangerous? What is it that can shield us from a danger that's inside us, not outside us? Well, that's the second thing. Take a look at verse 6. Proverbs' answer is verse 6. It says this. For the Lord gives wisdom. Now, slow down there for a second and just consider the idea that wisdom is a gift from the Lord. It's a gift from God. Um, do, do you think of it that way? Uh, um, see, see if you can identify with this. A lot of us imagine 
or it's very easy to imagine, that wisdom is really just um, learning life skills and then making good choices that, that correspond with learning those life skills, right? Uh, a, a lot of people imagine um, that, that, that that's really all Christian wisdom is. It's just um, there are life principles out there. You should, you should research them. You should collect them. You should learn them. Uh, and then you should just practice making good choices. Now, is there truth in that? Of course there's truth in that. In a few minutes, we're going to talk about how important it is to intentionally pursue wisdom. However, there is a problem with that line of thinking. And here's the problem. If wisdom is merely just religious uh, self-improvement, if that's all it is, then wisdom will never really work or take root in someone whose heart prefers bad things. Why? Because what will happen is the life lesson will come to us, will enter through our ears, we'll hear it, but we'll ev as we evaluate it, our heart will prefer something other than that life lesson, and then our mind will go into overdrive uh, justifying our preference, and the whole life lesson will just kind of ricochet off our hard hearts. Can you see that? We need more than just moral education. We need heart change. And that's why wisdom must be by grace alone. It must be a gift imparted from God himself. It must be a gift that can somehow overturn our heart-level preferences. Okay, you ready for the good news now? Good news is in verse 6. The Lord is saving up wisdom to give us the gift. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Verse 7, he stores up wisdom for the upright. I, uh, I, I love the image of the Lord storing up wisdom for us. Um, I, uh, I, I've, as I was looking at it and reading about it, I, I was kind of imagining the Lord um, taking us by the hand, taking me by the hand, and, and leading me into his treasury, which in my mind is the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And, uh, and I sort of imagine him uh, walking me into those wonderful rooms and, and, and then finding that there's just, it's just full of treasure. There's just like stacks of, of treasure. Um, I have a little boy who likes pirates, so I'm thinking about treasure. Um, but just, just stacks of gold and all this kind of stuff. And, I, and I, 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 in my imagination, I turn to God, and, I, and, and God looks at, at me and says, you know, look at all of it. This is wisdom. I've been storing it up, and it's all for you. Uh, to which I respond, wow, that's a lot of wisdom. And, and it, it, I kind of imagine God looking back and saying, well, in, in your case, you needed all, all of this. Um, um, we had to take out that wall just to make more room. But um, Okay, imagine the big treasure. Okay, and go back to the reading now. Watch how that treasure transformed the heart, transforms the heart. Verse 10. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Do you see the movement? The image is that all that wisdom that the Lord has stored up for us now pours out of that treasury and somehow right into our hearts. And what's the effect? The effect is that as wisdom enters our hearts, then knowledge becomes pleasant to us. Do you see? Do you see the switch? 
Christian wisdom is not just life skills. Doesn't mean those are bad, but it's heart change. And the promise here is that somehow God's going to drill into our preferences, take our preference for evil, sort of turn it inside out, and then harmonize it with his own love of good and stick it back into us so that we find ourselves looking at evil and recognizing it as evil and being repulsed by it. And on the other hand, looking at good and seeing that it's beautiful in ways we couldn't see before. And that's how wisdom ends up shielding us and protecting us, not just from outside us, from what's inside us. But I don't know about you, but I find myself looking at that and going, well, that's lovely if it was true, but how does it work? How does it actually work? Like, is there a switch? Does God, like, like is there a setting? It's like heart preference prefer evil, heart preference prefer good. And no, well, our passage gives a little bit of an insight which we'll talk about in a second, but the answer doesn't fully come until you get to Jesus. If you back up and you look at the whole story of the Old Testament, the whole story of the Old Testament, there's a a thread of tragedy that runs through the Old Testament. And the thread of tragedy is all woven together uh, with this theme that God's people have hearts that tend to prefer evil. And all through the story, you don't find anybody whose heart is fully transformed by wisdom. And so as this theme goes through, I I said it was a thread, now imagine it's a wave. As this theme, this wave goes through uh, the Old Testament, it gains momentum and power. And within it, there comes this kind of desire, this cry. Is there anything that can change the heart? Is there anything, is there any gift of God that can reach into a heart that prefers evil and turn it inside out and make us into something of a new creation? Is there anything out there for that? And these promises start coming through the Old Testament. These promises saying there's going to be a time. There's going to be a day. There's going to be a time when the Messiah comes. And the Messiah is going to do all kinds of wonderful things. But one of the key things that the Messiah is going to do is the Messiah is going to reach into your heart and inscribe the law of God in your heart. The the Messiah is going to be able to somehow reach into your soul and give you a new one, a new heart. A heart no longer of stone but of flesh. A heart that will desire to know God. And when we get to Jesus, what we find is that God, the way he enacted and fulfilled that promise was God decided to become a human. God decided to take to himself a truly human heart. And in Jesus Christ, we see humanity the way humanity was ideally designed to be, a heart that consistently prefers God Not just good in in the abstract, but God himself. In our text, it says, then you will know the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. This relationship of intimacy and love with God as father. That's what Jesus knew. And that directed all of his decisions. That was, he loved God and that led his choices, which eventually led him to the cross. And when he died and rose again, he rose again with a remarkable new authority. And his authority was to impart the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways to think about the gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift of the Holy Spirit sort of gives us a heart transfusion. 
that the Holy Spirit unites us to Jesus Christ so that what it is that Jesus loves becomes what it is that we love in increasing measure. Jesus loved his Father above all. And when we are united with Christ in the Holy Spirit, we come to love Christ above all. We look at Jesus upon the cross and we see a love that's more robust than any other love that we can imagine. We look at Jesus and his obedience and we see a moral vision and a moral purity that's surpassing any other moral vision or purity that we can imagine. We look at Jesus rising from the dead and we see a power that's more potent than any other power that we can imagine and we find ourselves saying we want to live for Jesus because Jesus died for us. Christian wisdom is when the Holy Spirit renews the heart so that we love Jesus more than anything else. And that's why there's so much delight in it. Because it's about loving a person and preferring a person. And that then leads all of our choices and transforms every aspect of our lives. And that's a gift that only God can give. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to, to, to flip the switch, so to speak. God's got to give himself by giving us his Holy Spirit and giving us Christ. So, what do we need to be shielded from? Our own hearts. How are we shielded by it? Wisdom comes into our hearts and makes us prefer Christ. And that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Lastly, how shall we pursue wisdom? And it's important in this passage that we see we cannot earn wisdom. Wisdom is a skill that you can develop. However, by the same token, the Bible is consistent in saying it is right for us to pursue wisdom and to pursue it with all we have. Not because the pursuit achieves wisdom, but because pursuing wisdom is how we make ourselves able to receive it. Let me read something. This uh, comes from a guy called uh, Henry Skugel. Ever heard of Skugel? It's a great name. He lived like 400 years ago. He said this. Let us arise and be doing, and the Lord will be with us. It is true, religion in the souls of men is an immediate work of God, and all our natural endeavors can neither produce it alone nor merit those supernatural aids by which it must be wrought. The Holy Spirit must come upon us, and the power of the Most High must overshadow us before the holy thing can be begotten and Christ be formed in us. But yet we must not expect that this whole work should be done without any concurring endeavors of our own. We must not lie loitering in the ditch and wait until omnipotence pulls us from thence. No, no, we must bestir ourselves. How do we do that? How do we bestir ourselves? Well, I'm going to show you two things. First, fix your eyes on Jesus as he presents himself in Scripture. Look back at the reading. Look at verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, pause, do you remember how God's wisdom is like this giant storehouse? A treasure house. 
according to our passage, we access that storehouse by hearing the scriptures, hearing the teaching, in this case of Proverbs, but in a wider sense of all of the word of God. There's a very good reason for that. Remember that for Christians, scripture is always pointing us one way or the other to Jesus. Even when the scripture doesn't explicitly mention Jesus, it's always pointing us ultimately towards Christ. And so we listen to scripture looking toward Jesus. And as we do that, we have a high expectation that the Holy Spirit's going to show Jesus to us in greater and greater clarity. We're going to be able to see his beauty. And we're going to prefer him. That's why we love the Bible. It's also why if we do not listen to the Bible, we will end up starving ourselves from wisdom. So fix your eyes on Jesus as he presents himself in Scripture. But then secondly, keep going, verse 3. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of the of God. So we listen to Jesus as he presents himself in scripture, but then as the Holy Spirit captivates you more with Jesus Christ, what you do is you seek him like silver. You seek wisdom like silver. In other words, it ends up greed is good. It just matters what you what you're greedy for. The more greedy you are, I use this because of the terminology here, seek it like silver. The more greedy you are for scripture, the more wise you will end up becoming. And the reason for that is clear. Um, wisdom, remember, is about preferring good. Underneath everything else, all its insights. And if you're greedy for Christ, for more of Christ, for a closer relationship with Christ, then by definition, you are already beginning to prefer good. And this greed, this over-the-top desire for Christ, will end up protecting us from sin precisely because all sin grows out of a portion of our hearts that still thinks that we can do better than Jesus. So friends, do you want to be wise? Do you want to be defended from your own heart? Seek Jesus in the scriptures. Seek him like silver. Not because you can earn him, not because you can achieve it, but because God has already given you Christ and promises to give you his Holy Spirit. And as that happens, as the Lord gives that gift, we will be wise. Amen? Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com give.